fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the Far Right Podcast Rebel News and talk about the nuances of broadcasting legislation with my friend Caitlin. How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing okay. I'm not looking forward to recording this. <laughs> It doesn't it doesn't interest me, sorry. Broadcasting is super fun. I think I think you're gonna be surprisingly interested in this. I doubt it. <laughs> if you wanna support people who do work, and this is a pro-labor podcast, I just read a large report on broadcasting legislation to to bring this information through this broadcast. So uh, broadcast. I just combined podcast and broadcast. So there you go. If you respect that hustle, please donate to the show. Patreon.com slash News. Thank you for those who have already supported us. Uh, Caitlin, this is going to be a weird episode. Okay. Uh, especially since we've been gone for a week because I've been sick. And today we're just going to cover a single solitary day. And we're doing this in part because uh, Ezra's fear-mongering about censorship again. Mm. Which is an Nothing ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's worth spending a bit more time on this specific piece because I think it's going to be one of the things that he's going to run with uh, in the future. But also, uh, the media has been pretty shitty in covering this. And uh, it's not necessarily their fault because this is really complicated stuff. Okay. But uh, I wish they would do better. <laughs> and so this is like my attempt to maybe. Resolve some of that and hopefully educate some of the listeners to, to what is happening in our government. But with that, the Imperial Roundup. Well, what one day, right? Is it a roundup if it's one day? The Imperial Day. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. All right, so this was February 3rd, and Ezra begins by playing a clip between uh, CTV news anchor Evan Solomon. Are you aware of who he is? Yep. Yeah, so he used to be on the CBC's uh, Power and Politics, was yep. it? Mm-hmm. I-, I just realized this. I didn't know this, but he got kicked off the CBC because he was found selling paintings like using his position in the cbc to like secretly sell these paintings and earn a profit and like got something like three hundred thousand dollars for selling paintings (laughs) were they good i i don't know i don't think they were his they were like he knew an art person and he was like dealing oh okay yeah yeah but that's why he was kicked off the cbc because he used his position to do that but he's pretty bad there's a clip going around recently as well of him interviewing Noam Chomsky back like around the beginning of the Iraq war. And it's pretty terrible, (laughs) as you can imagine. But uh, so this is the quality of person we're going to get. But Evan Solomon, he's interviewing the heritage minister and his name is Stephen Gilbo. And this interview is going to become very important, but we're going to move on because like every Ezra's story, there's a huge detour <laughs> before we get to the point. So it begins with Ezra criticizing Gibo himself for being an environmental activist. Mm. So before becoming an MP, he used to be a member of Greenpeace, but also was a founding member of a Quebec environmental organization called Equiterre. Yeah. The part of the weird thing here is so Ezra's like, he's this environmental activist. 
And then he uses the fact that he's the heritage minister and not the minister of the environment as evidence that he's so radical, he's even too radical for the liberals to put him in the environmental position. So they make him the heritage minister. <laughs> okay. This is Ezra's argument. And then Ezra goes on to say that the heritage minister is kind of a, a schmooze, the rich celebrities type position. I don't know why. Maybe because it has to do with culture, and this is just where Ezra's like mind goes to. And then he compares the role to Harvey Weinstein. What? I'm really confused. <laughs> Apparently, a lot going on. Harvey Weinstein would be the heritage minister of Canada if he according. was a politician. I guess. Um, what? <laughs> He's well. The thing is, like, what's happening here is—is is he trying to imply that this this heritage minister sleeps with people? Like to get them roles and positions. I don't think he's like actually doing it, but it like it has that feeling. It, it is so weird. And the only thing that I could think of is like he he doesn't have anything to say about Gibo to actually say that he's wrong on anything. Like all Ezra ever does is like character assassination stuff. So yeah, that's that all. That's yeah. most of his arguments. Yeah. But before we go on, I do want to point out like the heritage minister position is actually kind of. Ugh, important to a certain respect in Canada, largely because of how much Canada likes to fret about our national identity. And so there is some sort of like, prestige is the wrong word, but I think like they, the heritage minister does things that I think people really care about in our country. Yeah. So Ezra then brings up something that we've already covered before, but I think it's worth going over again, since it is clear this is something he's going to use over and over again to feed into his censorship narrative. And to introduce that topic, I'm going to play a clip. You know, every cabinet minister has a job description, a to-do list called a mandate letter. Gilbo has 23 jobs in his mandate letter. But on the list, the second item, the second priority out of 23, is to regulate the internet, to censor it. And I don't know if you can see the fine print here, but the censorship that Gilbo has been ordered to do by Trudeau is very specific, incredibly specific, weirdly specific to give the government to knock, the power to knock things off the internet within 24 hours of a complaint. Now, I'm sorry, life doesn't work like that in a free country. Imagine some member of parliament out at a bar on a Saturday night sees something on their smartphone they don't like, like maybe this video on YouTube, and drunk dials YouTube and says, take that down. They would only do it if they were drunk though, right? <laughs> like they wouldn't do it if they're sober and they don't like the video. <laughs> If they were sober, they would be like, this is a free country. Yeah. And in a free country, I couldn't possibly do something as idiotic as ask for something to be taken down. Yeah, so I want to talk about the actual mandate letter. And there are two claims that are made in the clip that we just listened to, which is that it's a censorship mandate, like the, the second line that he's talking about, and the idea that it's somehow weirdly specific. And so here's what the mandate letter says to this point. Like Ezra doesn't quote it himself, so I'm just going to read it. It says, create new regulations for social media platforms, starting with a requirement that all platforms remove illegal content, including hate speech, within 24 hours or face significant penalties. This should include other online harms, such as radicalization, incitement to violence, exploitation of children, or creation or distribution of terrorist propaganda. So that's what it says. Yeah. And it's clear that the mandate is not telling Gibo to censor content that, is, that isn't already illegal in yeah. Canada. <laughs> right? So it's not saying create some new category 
that we're then going to censor. It's really interesting because I feel like if some of the content that's listed on that mandate was actually posted, Ezra would have a nip shit. Like if terrorist propaganda was all over the internet, he would be like, look at, look at Justin Trudeau letting the terrorists in. He needs to censor them. Like, yep. so that's what I find so interesting <laughs> about this, this, this argument. Like it's a free country, but it's only free if it works in my favor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but that's why I think he wouldn't want to quote this. Because what is he going to do to say to his audience, we need ISIS to post terrorist propaganda on YouTube? Like, he's never going to say that to his audience. No. Next is this claim about specif- specificity. It's weirdly specific. I don't know about you, Caitlin. <laughs> but within 24 hours, is actually quite vague to me and not weirdly specific. Is it 24 hours since the material was posted? 24 hours since staff of the company is uh, made aware of the content. 24 hours from when the government gives you notice of the material. But even, yeah, but it, even so, like, who fucking cares if it's specific? It needs to be specific <laughs> so you can do your fucking job. <laughs> no, this is like what I don't want to, like, what, are, what kind of argument is that? Like, my boss gave me specific instructions of what to do. Yeah, that sounds fucking horrible. Thanks. He makes even worse claims in a second. But before before he gets there... He makes a detour because, as you already alluded, the, the whole thing about the drunk thing, I honestly think the only reason he brought that up is because he wanted to play the clip of Catherine McKenna, who was drunk. Uh, we already played it before on the show. You can go back and listen to our... I, I couldn't remember which episode it was <laughs> until I sent you back there. But basically, Catherine McKenna was in a bar in Newfoundland, and she's joking with a comedian. And she says something like, if you're in Parliament and you say it and you repeat it enough, people will believe what you say. And that like 11 second clip keeps, they take it out of context and it's in a bar. So Ezra always jokes about her being drunk, but then they use this to say that she's a liar. Now, the weird thing is when we initially covered it, like it's always that 11 second clip, but this time when he plays it, he plays the entire context. He plays the whole clip. So you hear her talking to the comedian, you hear what the context is and what she's responding to. Mm -hmm. And then part of me is like, so you had the full clip the whole time and then you were just editing it down to the 11 seconds every time? Like, and then you're just showing your audience. (laughs) And the only thing is like, of course, I don't think his audience is going to pick up on the fact that they did this. Yeah. Well, they're not making podcasts. So yeah. About their show. So here we are. Yeah, and here's the thing is, Ezra doesn't mention the context about, like, look, this is the liberals admitting they're lying, right? He just uses this as an example to go, look, a liberal is in a bar. That's... <laughs> you got you got him. They're supposed to be nuns. They can't right. drink. It's, so then... it's really a religion. It's <laughs> That is what politics is. <laughs> right. But the way he describes it, it, it is. Like, you know, it's almost like, the secret cults, the Lebranos, and they're, you know, they have the ceremonies, and then they have secret code with these mandates, and, you know, they, they control everything, like the Illuminati, which, like, really appeals to the audience. I can see why you'd want to paint that kind of picture. And then at the same time, is they can't drink on the job. Like, that goes against their code, like, of <laughs> sacredness. Like, I don't understand what, it, like, the way he describes it is it's yeah. like this cult, like, religion. It is, he does give them way more power than I think he should. Like, he makes yeah, them sound, what, like, way it's like the smarter secret, and conniving. Yeah, malicious, conniving, cult-like group that's out to, like, you know, 
dig their fingers in everyone's head and control them. And it's just, that's just not what's happening. So now after this drunk clip detour thing, he gets back to this whole 24 hour limit thing. And he makes a really bizarre claim. He complains that the 24 hour limit is not just or fair because the legal system is supposed to take time. Just like court cases take time. And the thing that I don't get is that the proposed 24-hour limit is what the law is mandating, something which is like downstream from actual court proceedings. Yeah, yeah. Like it's already, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, if you park on a city street with a two-hour free parking limit and you get a ticket for a parking like longer than the two hours, is that unfair because court cases are supposed to take time? I mean, you can fight it if you want. (laughs) Like... Is his argument that any crime or legal violation that contains a specific time frame shorter than it's the It's not even saying to convict <laughs> the person. It's just saying to remove the content. That's the other thing, too. It's not even like they're getting a fine for it. They're just having their content removed. This, yeah. From, <laughs> from what that, from what you're telling me, that's, it doesn't no, say, like, I'm going to... Like, of course, I mean, you get similar time frames in, like, they're laws, but they happen within the context of the court. But like if you get subpoenaed or you have to respond to the court at a certain time or you get more fines, right? Like yeah. time limits exist in the laws. <laughs> but this is the same kind of move Ezra makes in a lot of his own legal battles, which is like, for example, he's being investigated. So he claims it's not due process, even though due process happens in courts, yeah, yeah. which follows being charged rather than preceding being charged. <laughs> Did I mention that Ezra has a law degree? Yes, we mentioned it multiple <laughs> times on this show. Yeah. Yeah. The obvious response to Ezra's complaint here is that if some, say some company, internet company, feels in this case where this becomes a law, that the 24-hour limit was somehow unfairly applied to them, they still have the right to challenge it in court. It is one thing to say that the limit is too restrictive, therefore the law is unjust. Like I can imagine being like, it's gonna take us longer than 24 hours. Like no one can comply with this law. Then yeah, it would be an unjust law. I don't think that is the case here. Like why a company wouldn't be able to get rid of it in 24 hours doesn't make sense to me. But I'm if, if you wanted to make that argument, I'm saying that would make a lot more sense. But of course he doesn't make that argument. He makes But it doesn't even say, like he didn't even read if there's exceptions to that case or like he didn't even give you the full thing really. That is a it's a mandate. It's a recommendation. It's not <laughs> like come to me when they like propose a bill that they're gonna pass. Yeah. And yeah. then did I mention Ezra has a law degree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, beyond Ezra being insanely incompetent, which is always a possibility, the only reason I think he makes this superbly stupid argument is so he could segue into China. Okay, so now YouTube has 24 hours to take down this video? There's no time for a trial or even to let the person know anything's afoot. It's, it's really nuts. It's un-Canadian. We don't do anything immediately in the law unless there's an imminent harm to life or limb. In real life, unless there's like a rampaging murderer, um, well, in a fair court, things take time, weeks, months, even years if they're fair. Gilbo has specifically been told to be unfair. You know, the whole judge-jury executioner in 24 hours, it reminds me of what Trudeau said he likes best about China. Not their history or their culture or their language or their art or their architecture or their food or anything like that. 
the thing he likes best about China is their basic dictatorship, which he specifically says lets them do things without wasting time on things like being fair. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime. Oh, there's no more after that? Nailed it. No, that's, that's, that's it. Nailed it. Trudeau, guilty. <laughs> so this comment by Trudeau is pretty stupid. Like, honestly, like saying that is pretty stupid, regardless of context. And was made back in 2013, a few months after he became the leader of the Liberal Party. So this is a clip that's old. Yeah, so before he was elected. Prime Minister. Yeah. The complete context of the quote does add some things that I think Ezra, that softened, that softened the impact of this, which is that he jokes that Harper wishes he had a dictatorship. So at the time, Stephen Harper was the prime minister. But he does go on and say that China's dictatorship allows them to make big changes, like the fact that living in a democracy, it takes a long time for us to implement, say, climate change reform. Yeah. Where China can just do it top down. Yeah. And that is what Trudeau is reflecting on the fact that he admires. And I think admires is a poor choice of word. Like you could say something like, it is nice to get that kind of fast change. And I wish we could do things that fast. And it's just, it's a necessary thing that we live in a democracy and they can't happen that fast. But yeah. I wish they could, which is different than saying, I admire their basic dictatorship. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's like, I don't think Trudeau, when he said that, you know, if I'm being fair to Trudeau, is that he honestly thinks that the dictatorship is a good thing and so on. Yeah. Right. All the other things that he said there are things that other politicians. So I found like news clips of this incident that aired on the CBC and they compared what uh, Trudeau said to things that Stephen Harper said in the past. And he said very similar things. So it's it's not that big of a deal. But here's the thing. And it's the same thing with the drunk clip that we played earlier, which is that. It seems like Ezra, when he's doing these like intro segments, it's like, I'm going to move this into talking about drunk stuff so I can play that clip of Catherine McKenna. And then I'm going to slowly move it into talking about China stuff so I can play this clip of Trudeau, even though like the things feel so disconnected. They are so disconnected. Like, what does this? I don't even know what the point was. Why are we even talking about this? Censorship. What? This this whole thing is him trying like. This See, whole I beginning. Forgot. I forgot that we were talking about censorship. <laughs> the whole thing is him trying to, I think, frame for us that look at the Trudeau government. They just want to censor everything. He is a basic dictator admirer. So therefore, he's mandating that Guibault is going to censor all of us forever. But yes, all this stuff is, again, Trudeau grasping, or not Trudeau, Ezra <laughs> grasping at straws. Trudeau recommends in his mandate to Guibault that he wants illegal content, which involves incitement to violence and the exploitation of children off the internet. Yeah, I want child hours. pornography as well. I'll take it <laughs> off the internet. Thank you. So is that what is that what Ezra is saying? He wants to keep child pornography on the web? He wants to make sure the child pornographers are like, you know, they have their due process to explain why they're they're yeah. sharing child <laughs> pornography. Is that what he, that's is that what he's trying to get at? Right. It, it, what else can you conclude? But of course, if you're a li if you're a listener to a show, you don't know any of that context because unless you're going to go through 
the two seconds it takes to get, like Google the actual mandate, you're not going to figure it out. It's true. And a lot of right-wing people don't do that. No. No, they don't. I mean, like, people on the left don't do that either, right? Like, if I've... I and if, even if so. they did, they might find, like, some way to self-justify it to themselves. So I'm not... You know, there's psychology... Psychology is a fun thing. <laughs> but now, you love to hear it. The detour is finally over. Okay. We're finally getting to the whole opening thing that we talked about, which is this interview that Evan Solomon had with uh, Gibo. The reason why Ezra wants to cover the cover this is because he thinks that the interview sort of like exposed or elucidated the fact that Gibo has been mandated to censor people. Hence why he wanted to paint this like censoring narrative from the beginning. Now, before we get all the way into it, we need a bit of background that Ezra does not give that I think will be helpful to our listeners. And that is in June of 2018, the liberal government appointed an external panel called the Broadcasting and Telecommunications Legislative Review, and they were tasked to study the Broadcasting Act, the Telecommunications Act, and the Radio Communications Act, and to make recommendations to the Minister of Innovation, Science, and Industry, and the Minister of the Canadian Heritage, and basically tell them, like, here's how we can change the law and make it updated in terms of the growing internet stuff. Okay. <laughs> right? Because internet usage has skyrocketed and you have new things like Netflix and Facebook and yeah. they're distributing things. So how can our laws be updated to account for this? Yeah. Stuff? The panel is comprised mostly of scholars and professors. And a lot of them seem like their scholarly scholarly <laughs> scholarly work okay. is focused on the intersections of law and technology. So you would think that they are in the perfect arena to do this work. Although I, I don't know too much about them. I'm going to be honest. I, I'm not going to, okay. all the people on the panel, I'm not going to, what are your political beliefs? What are you, where do you receive funding? Like, you know, have a bit of skepticism. They, they were selected by the government to sit on this panel. So yeah, take it, take it as you will. They then released the report to the government on January 29th, 2020. Stephen Gibault was then interviewed about that report by Evan Solomon on the 2nd, which is why Ezra and a portion of the Canadian media was then talking about it on the 3rd, which is when this episode aired. Ezra's uh, interest in this story is that he thinks the interview, particularly due to Solomon's incisive and brilliant questions, exposed the government's attempt at uh, censoring people. I thought he didn't like the CBC. Well, so Evan's now on CTV. A CTV. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But here's, I do wonder, it's like, you, you're you telling me how much you love Evan Solomon, but he did work for the CBC. I guess he likes Rex Murphy too. And he was on the CBC. So I don't know. Consistency as He got yeah. fired. So, yeah. <laughs> right? Like maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Like as like likes his industrial nature of selling yeah. paintings with, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Ezra begins by arguing that the panel which was, according to him, composed of lobbyists and insiders handpicked by Trudeau. They were tasked with regulating all media, especially Netflix, which they hate and are (laughs) jealous of. They don't want a Netflix and chill. (laughs) (laughs) They're jealous of them because it's more popular than the CBC. In reality, the issue with Netflix is not just its popularity, but the fact that it has, or that it's a content distributor. 
And one of the things that Canadians seem to value and that the government has continued to regulate is the production and distribution of Canadian content. One aspect of having a broadcast license in Canada is that you must distribute a certain percentage of Canadian content. So if you go listen to your radio, they have to play a certain number of songs by Canadian artists. Yeah. And if you go watch a TV show or like if you have cable in Canada, your cable distributors have to offer a certain amount of Canadian content, etc. Mm. Okay. There are exemptions to this and they're a bit confusing. So I don't want to make it sound like this accounts for every single thing, but uh, for the most part, the CRTC, which is the regulate, regulating body of the uh, Broadcasting Act and the Telecommunications Act and all that, they do get people to get licensed and they exempt some other people based on whether or not they feel like it's necessary. And they have reasons for doing that in the law. I raise this now because this doesn't really get brought up by Ezra, but it is an important factor in the regulatory regime that is uh, recommended in that report and gets discussed in the interview. So like Ezra never talks about the fact that the point of having the Broadcast Act, part of it is to encourage the production and distribution of Canadian content. And so what Ezra is going to perceive as a lot of censorious stuff is just like, we now have this internet and it's widespread and a lot of people use it and not a lot of it is regulated. And so there's not a lot of Canadian content getting to Canadian viewers. And whether you think that's a conflict or not, it has been historically in the government, a thing that they want to promote. Yeah. And it's kind of popular in Canada. I think a lot of people still want the CBC, even though they might not watch it all the time. Like these yeah. are things that we've discussed, right? Because there's some sort of like value to producing Canadian content, right? Yeah. Possibly, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's a separate argument. Like it's annoying to me because like all these things are like really interesting arguments, but Ezra's never going to like, actually get into them here. <laughs> Ezra then says that the liberals want to regulate Facebook and Twitter specifically because they don't like that they can't control what news you get from those outlets. And he particularly emphasizes that the government shouldn't be determining what is fake news or not because everyone is entitled to their opinion, man. And in a free country, we get to disagree. Everyone gets their say, the viewer decides at the end, I don't want to ban the CBC, I don't want to have to pay for it anymore. But Guillaume and Trudeau literally want to ban ideas they don't like. That's their licensing system. So they're at the point where they will literally send police after authors and tell them they have to register their books with the government. This is about his book. <laughs> well, he's going to This is about his book because he got <laughs> caught for not registering as a third party and then putting up lawn signs to promote his book, which was all about getting rid of Trudeau. <laughs> this is one of the only times he brings up his book. And he does play the clip, one of the clips of his recording of the investigation. Try to censor him. <laughs> I mainly wanted to play this clip because there's a bit of a sleight of hand going on here. And you probably missed it, and that's fine. I'm going to elucidate it for you. But Ezra proceeds to play the clip of him being investigated, so you know he's referring to that. But that had nothing to do with getting a license. Remember, the problem there is that Ezra did not register as a third-party advertiser. Yeah. Therefore, possibly, though very likely, he violated election laws in Canada. Getting a license, which is something that will come up in the interview between Solomon and Gibo that he's about to play, is about getting a broadcast license, which has been the law since at least the 90s with the creation of the Broadcasting Act and doesn't apply to books. 
because books do not broadcast through a telecommunications medium. But not not only that, the report did not recommend more licenses, but actually moving from a license system towards a registration system. Mm. So calling the the Gibo thing a license, he's going to license things, is nonsense. It's not in the report at all. But I mean, no, he's going to use it to be like, and they get to choose who gets the license, and then they get to tell you who who can broadcast and who can't broadcast, and, and then it's going to go on to this whole thing. And they're actually a part of the Illuminati, and they're controlling our minds. That's where it's going to You are very prescient. But here's the thing. It, it is important to know that, like, he's going to do that. Yeah. But there was absolutely no base to that whatsoever. Love it. Which is, which is the most insane part about this. Yeah. It's not in the report whatsoever. Yeah. Now... Part of what he's going to go on, and we're going to get to it eventually once we get to the interview, is Guy Bo does fuck up a little bit. Okay. And uh, I think overall, he he comes out looking like the best guy out of all the people involved in the situation. Okay. But he does fuck up a little bit, and we'll get to it. Now, even if Ezra is merely saying that this case is being, uh, of him being criminally investigated, is similar to the recommended censorship he thinks exists in this report, and that there are all the result of an over-censorous Trudeau regime. The law Ezra possibly, though very likely violated, was also a law long before Trudeau became prime minister. So all these laws that he thinks are currently like these licensings and and uh, they're making me register, all this stuff, all these laws existed long before Trudeau was prime minister. I want to play the clips of the interview now because I think they're... Doubly insightful. For one, I think they show how very, 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 very terrible Evan Solomon is as an interviewer. But also, it's insightful seeing how Ezra plays off of Solomon. So it's like, Solomon's wrong, and then Ezra is like, insanely wrong over top of Solomon's already (laughs) wrongness. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I get it. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. So here's, here's the first question. Here's Evan Solomon asking... Stephen Gilbo, what constitutes a trustworthy news source? Okay, so here's another concern. I'll just raise some of these red flags. There is a concern that the panel wants to regulate international companies as well. So let me take an example of a controversial site like Breitbart. How would the government force a company like Breitbart, the, I don't know, the New York Times, Mother Jones, the Daily Mail, how would they force those companies to comply with rules of Canadian content? discoverability. And if they don't comply, what happens? Will Canadians be blocked from accessing international sites? I don't think that's what's recommended in the report, that uh, that these sites be blocked in Canada. I'm Frankly, I, I, I'm not sure I see what the big deal is. I mean, we have... Um, an incredible number of international corporations that are operating in Canada in all sorts of sectors, in the financial sector, in the construction sector, in the uh, energy sector. And these companies comply with Canadian rules and, and laws. We're a sovereign state. And which, what is true of Canada is true of the United States, and it's true of France and, and Great Britain and Japan. So we're not asking these companies to do uh to do this extraordinary things that no one else, no other companies have, have been asked to do before. We're asking them to simply abide by, by the rules and regulations but that sir, we have in our country. But Notice how, you probably forgot it already, but Ezra introduced the question by saying, this was Solomon asking what constitutes a trustworthy news source. <laughs> was that the question? No, no. I mean, it was a bad question, but like... <laughs> 
That was nope. awful. Even the fact that he gave just like American company, like none of those news sources were from like Middle Eastern countries, Europe, any other country, but the United States, which I just thought was really odd. So it was just like, how are you going to be influenced by the United States if they have to be regulated? Like that is literally what he was trying to get at, which is already happening. And that's kind of why we want to put these laws into place or have more regulation of content is because you don't want your media, your news source. And I guess this is the argument you want. You said we could have engaged in before about the importance of having Canadian content. But like, could you imagine if just like you had certain companies dominating and broadcasting that were just from one country, you're getting such a biased perspective. And that is the point of these regulations. And that is the point of having Canadian influence because you are a separate country from the United States. But for some reason we forget we forget that sometimes. Yeah. Like I, I get really confused by that. Or or it's just like he's he's mentioning Breitbart, which is all about United States politics, right right wing politics. And it's so ridiculous because it's like, why do I as a Canadian need to be influenced by Breitbart? And he led with that for a reason. Like he definitely yeah. did. And then he's like, Oh yeah, and those other ones, like New York Times, and then started listing off very like more reputable um, news sources. But it's also like, why do I as a Canadian need to get influenced by a far right leaning uh, news source that's used in the United States for United States elections? Why? Because we can, then it can influence other countries to have yeah. those right leaning tendencies and policies and have growth of right wing thought. And that's the exact reason why they want to deregulate everything. I mean, that's not even what was. That's not even what they were getting at. Because clearly, <laughs> through his reply, what what's his name? Gobo. Gibo. And, Gibo. I mean, that's, yeah. you can hear him. My favorite is like you can hear him like trying to like buffer with like. Yeah. How do I even answer this question? Because here's the thing: is the question itself, like everything you're saying here, is like I agree and it's great, but in relation to the report itself that this interview is supposedly about, the question is nonsense. Here's why: is Breitbart a broadcaster no not really well i mean so this is this is like no wrong answers no right answers what is a broadcaster i mean it's see it's a weird question but like all it says in the broadcasting act is basically you're some sort of like thing that's sending content into the world through telecommunications mediums so either that's by radio by television yeah. or like through the internet right and so here's the thing is I'm not sure whether or not Breitbart is a broadcaster or not. You, I thought most of it was like articles. But here's the thing is they're using the medium of the internet oh, to okay. yeah, I guess broadcast so. that yeah. out, right? But the other thing is it's it's not just down to that because you got to think of like, why do we have the Broadcasting Act? So there's a purpose there, right? Yeah. So the broadcasting, the CRTC in particular, which again regulates or it basically uses the Broadcasting Act and then like regulates on the rules and stuff like this, right? The, the commission that basically decides whether you get a license or not, or whether someone's violated the law or not in this, right? They have a, a mandate and their mandate is things like the Canadian content thing, but also they're concerned about things like revenue, right? So they care about regulating you if you're like a dominant thing in the Canadian landscape, which means you're making a lot of money off of Canadians. Mm -hmm. And that means that a lot of Canadian attention is diverted to your content. Yeah. So something like Netflix, Facebook, YouTube. Whereas for like something like some weird random, <laughs> I don't know, like online news source, 
why would they want to regulate that? Because it's, it's, that's, it's just there. Just let it be there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing in the report when you read the report that it ever mentions just a single solitary websites as like things that need to be regulated under the Broadcasting Act. Yeah. So something like Breitbart News or Mother Jones, right? It does get complicated though. And I don't know like fully how to like work it out because you have things like the New York Times where they now have like television shows and they're producing podcasts and now you're starting to get, and they're all, they also dominate the Canadian market to some extent, right? Like you can actually, a lot of Canadians are drawn to the New York Times' content, probably yeah. more so than they are drawn to Breitbart. Yeah. Right. So there's these other things that you got to take into consideration. And the thing is, the CRTC, based on their mandate, is going to start making these kinds of decisions. The point is, there is no clear answer. <laughs> but, but of course, what, what Evan is doing here is either he's just incompetent and he doesn't understand what the report is ask, like actually saying, or he's just using these things to purposely fearmonger to an audience of ignorant people yeah. who don't understand that this is what is happening. With the law now for me it's an interesting conversation to be had whether we should care about that or not or how forceful we want to be with our regulations to ensure canadian attention remains on canadian curated content but again ezra ignores all of this and instead focuses on the fact that solomon brought up breitbart and isn't that a kind of gotcha against those leftists oh and by the way we have breitbart characters on all the time <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> And he lists them all. He like, he's like, but, we've got Joe Pollock on. We've here, got that gun person on. Oh, <laughs> did he say it like that? The gun no. Put, oh. uh, I can't remember. It's a, a Letters Hawkins or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot all about that person. Uh, another thing I was thinking about, it actually worked against Ezra. I mean, probably not Ezra because he's got a bunch of coke funding. Um, but it would probably work against his interests if there wasn't any regulations on broadcasting, because if you had just this like media giant of a conglomerate, then there wouldn't be the ability to get any other kind of information. So let's say in Ezra's world, you had like CBC, who's the media party, who's taking over everything and is this giant media conglomerate that the, the government controls. If there's no regulation on that content that's being put out there, there'd actually be no opportunity for other news sources and smaller um, yeah, I, or I would, upcoming broadcasters to actually have a share of that as well. I think that would be true if he was truly grassroots, but I do worry that he's getting a lot of his fundings from the Coke people. So now we get to the other question. But the key passage was this one, where, where Gilbo, after dodging for a bit, admits, yeah, yes, every single website in the world needs to be licensed if it is to be watched or read or clicked in Canada. So let me talk about the scope of this new regulatory body, the new regime. In order to make Canadian content what they call discoverable, easy to access, there'll be the imposition of requirements on what you guys call sharers or aggregators, content creators. And I'm going to read you what it says in the report. Links to the websites of Canadian sources of, quote, accurate, trusted and reliable sources of news with a view to ensuring the diversity of voices. Question, sir. Who will determine what trusted news sources are? The government? Is it appropriate for the government to determine what's a trusted news source? 
Uh, first thing I have to say is this is a panel that was created by, by our government in, in 2018. Uh, they, they went across the country. They, they, they've met hundreds uh, of people, experts. They've received close to 2,000 uh, submissions uh, as part of their work. And these are rec recommendations for, for the government. As you said initially, there's 97 of these recommendations. So we will be, so it's not the government of Canada saying this is what we're going to do. This panel is making recommendations to us and we will be studying these recommendations very closely. I do think that Guillaume's answer here is slightly, it's not as good as his first response. It's okay. But it, it was just okay. I mean, I think he's setting up as like, he doesn't have an answer to what Solomon is saying, but he's saying like, look, these are recommendations. Like this isn't the law yet. Yeah. But Solomon refers specifically to one of the recommendations in the report. And he flubs on the initial paraphrase, which I think is enlightening because it tells me that he really doesn't yeah. understand the report. The report has three categories of media content undertakings. That's what they describe it. Basically media content undertakings is what they mean by a media thing distributing to an audience, right? So you're taking this content, and you're sending it out there. And so the three categories they have for media content uh, undertakings is curators, aggregators, and sharers. So curators would be like, I'm the editor, I create this kind of content. So something like the New York Times, all the content within the New York Times framework is the editorial power is through the New York Times. And even Netflix sort of blurs this line because they're also a curator because there's Stranger Things, which is a Netflix show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, there's also aggregators. And aggregators, the, the best thing I can describe with that is something like Yahoo News or MSN News, which they Pushes don't... other news. Right. Yeah. They don't necessarily offer their own content, but they take Push in it, a lot of content yeah. and then send it out. Sharers are things like Facebook, where they other people can add things and it gets like mm. sent out and people can like share stuff with YouTube. More like social also. media kind of right. platforms, yeah. And so these are several different like ways that this report is trying to carve out the new internet landscape in a way to describe how content gets distributed in Canada. And Solomon kind of like flubs because he wants to say that this new recommendation is, he does say that there's it involves aggregators and sharers, but then he says content creators, which is the curator category, I guess, like <laughs> if I'm thinking about it correctly. Well, actually, no, that's not 100% true because content creators could actually be people that share content and then turn content into different meanings based on what, the, so this is actually, we study this. And so the way they've grouped it is in, sociological terms as well so when we talk about like information technology of sociology or when we talk about the internet of sociology or sociology of the internet right like we talk about these kind of categories of um like sharers aggregators yeah. creators but when you're saying what media content creators well, so or he content just, creators he, he goes aggregator shares and then he kind of mumbles content creators yeah so that that <laughs> no that could be like any any of those groups you're kind of because even like sharing platforms like Facebook, you're actually creating new content. Cause like I can comment, I guess, yeah. I can comment on your post and then create a completely different meaning out of that post, which ha creates new meaning and content for other people looking at that post in real time. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, 
I mean, I'm not getting like deep into the sociological literature necessarily, but I was just thinking of it in terms of like direct control over the specific content that you create, as opposed to like sharing the content that someone else makes, because then based at least the descriptions they kind of give in the report about what counts as certain things, that to me sounds like you're sharing or aggregating someone else's content. Sure. Rather than like being the sole creator. But no, it's, it's complex because they've even done things about exploitation and like media, like, because like they like they've done like studies like on how exploitative is Facebook when like they don't actually create the content itself they just sell the content so it's like completely yeah. free labor because a lot of people are just creating content that they use to sell to companies for a mm-hmm. profit like that that's just an example of what, how we've talked about it or aggravators too is you're actually taking content that other people have created and just pushing it. They even admit in the report that a lot of these like distinctions that they're trying to make, there's a lot of overlap between them. Like it's there not is, like yeah. you can perfectly carve this thing out and say, no, these the, are just the aggregate. The internet so, like, is so complicated because to really like analyze, <laughs> I mean, it's complicated to, to analyze because it's an amorphous blob. There's so much. There's stuff just there. so much. It's not even that. It's just like, you have subcultures among subcultures among subcultures that get created in these internet spheres. And then even how media and content forms, like it's crazy to know how much that actually influences you. Like you could say like someone likes this and now it's influenced them, but did it really like, maybe they just even saw the title and like something like, it's just so difficult to really like get the grasps of the social relations and the power dynamics that are going on in this space called the internet. It's crazy. like people are studying it in sociology and I don't know how they do it because to me it's so complicated and they're actually coming up with new methodologies to study internet content that just go way over my head as a sociologist and very interesting field of work I almost wish I got into that that like (laughs) this is why I I was saying like it's I'm very sympathetic to reporters getting this wrong because of how complicated it is like I I understand it but the thing is like this is very important stuff to know because like we're currently trying to figure out how to regulate this stuff. Yeah. What do we, how do we and deal with this? Stuff? A bit, like a good example of why regulation is important on the internet is if you just had everyone like Ezra's argument, it's a free world. Anyone can post what they want. You could have stuff about killing yourself on the internet, which there very much is tons of that. Eating disorders. There was a huge debate few years back about how much content should we regulate around eating disorders because there were I think they're called Proana. So there's these blogs and they basically would like influence young girls and boys to do certain techniques and methods to like be thinner, which would no, they're really bad. It would be like eat an ice cube or suck on an ice cube and like smell the food and then throw the food out. And then that's where you're going to get satisfaction. Or they'd say to like young girls, especially like you're reclaiming your body by being anorexic and they would feed into this and make themselves feel better. And then there's this whole debate because at the same time, these groups that were like pro Anna groups would give people a space to talk about struggling with mental health, struggling with anorexia. But at the same time, you had people that were talking about methods of perpetuating an eating disorder it's still talked about like how much do we actually regulate and how much freedom do we give because especially in cases like that 
you could actually be harming people by not giving them those social connections to reach out, or you could actually be making it worse. So it's so complicated and, and ways, it's ridiculous. And there's ways we regulate the other mediums, but it's easier to regulate them. So like having content yeah. warnings in front of your television programs, yes. or like play them at certain times of the day, or like there's just other ways of going about it that make the internet specifically difficult. Yeah. And another point I wanted to raise too, which is like going way back to something that you played, which is Ezra saying that they want to regulate and license everybody. So anytime you click something, and yeah. I'm just like, how ridiculous of a comment. Like every website in the world, Caitlin. <laughs> they're just going to, Canada is going to dominate every website. So you accidentally go into an Australian site. And now this, this person who's created this Australian website is like, fuck, now I have to get licensed. No, by he Canada. honestly says, I don't know. I, I don't have it in the clip, but he honestly thinks that Breitbart will have to like, in order to have Breitbart's content play in Canada, they would have to send someone to Canada and fill out some paperwork and then wait for the CRTC to give them a license to have their website shown in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he thinks is being, uh, encouraged by this That's report great. i do want to say though with those with this whole issue because every like, like again like we're hitting on like so many like interesting stuff yes, yes but yes. but that's it's a side sort of like on the angle that solomon's sort of taking here which is that somehow so he brings up this recommendation which is that discover you want the discoverability of canadian content on an aggregator site and in keeping with the purpose of the broadcasters act like of course that's kind of what you want you want to be able to say go onto facebook and have some of the content on Facebook reflect Canadian topics and issues. Seems pretty mundane to me. <laughs> so uh, this thing is to the question. So then part of it was, some, what is it? It said like trusted, accurate, reliable, and have a diversity of, of views. Now, how do you ensure the sources linked by Facebook are trusted, accurate, or reliable? Or that they offer a diversity of voices? And I think that is like a good question. How do you ensure that? But here's the thing, someone here is going to have to pick winners and losers, whether it's Facebook or the government. And are we satisfied currently with how Facebook is currently aggregating that content? So the idea is like somehow what they're freaking out about is, oh my God, the government is going to choose who the winners or losers who are going to get curated on this platform. Yeah. Or not curated, aggregated on this platform. Yeah. But Facebook's already making those choices. Yeah. And why is Facebook making those choices any better than if the government would do it? I mean, they'd probably be doing it worse, Facebook, in my opinion. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Ezra then says Gibo is lying in his response, which I don't think he was. I just think that it was evasive, if anything. But again, what how it moves on is that Solomon presses uh, Gibo. It actually almost seems like he's nervous. Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like he's trying to be careful of his words. It just seems he's like on a little, like he's... He's kind of nervous to answer. Like, you know, not you, every, yeah, yeah. Not everyone's good with being interviewed. I don't think I'm the best at getting interviewed either. Or it's clear English doesn't sound like his first language. And so there could be a language barrier there. So he's like thinking yeah. about how to how to word it appropriately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's the next question. Yeah, but but sir, to be to be fair, you've got an agency that wants to enhance its scope of powers to determine what's a trusted news source. So the first question will be, who's to define that? You've got uh, a lot of no, these this groups. Is a this is a, second, a recommendation, they, Evan. Okay, it's no, not, but they, but they the CRTC hasn't decided. Okay, anything. but they're recommending that. They're recommending that. Yeah. Content they're providers right. have to register and get a license. So. 
how will this work? How are you going to regulate websites? How are you going to register all that? Are you, do you buy these recommendations? Well, the, I mean, the re one of the recommendations, so you're talking about a, a couple of different things here, but as far as the licensing is concerned, is if you're a distributor of content in Canada, and obviously, you know, if, if you're a, if you, if you're a sm very small media organization, the requirement probably wouldn't be the same as if you're Facebook or, or Google, um, uh, so the, 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 there would have to be some proportionality uh, uh, embedded into this, but we, we would ask that they have a license. Yes, uh, just like uh, it, right now, but with, with the old system in Canada, uh, distributors needed needed to go to the CRTC and, uh, and to have a license. Now, you probably heard the flub there because I've already mentioned that there's nothing in this thing about licensing internet people. Mm -hmm. And so he does, so they'll need to get a license. Before we get to that part, the, the choice of language that Evan is setting this up with is clear. So talking about this... Uh, that this increases the scope of the power of the government. But is what is being asked of Facebook any more ridiculous than what Canada already asks for cable broadcasters in this country? How do we, you know, how do we manage to regulate accuracy in advertising? How do we do it, Caitlin? <laughs> we, just, we just can't do it. I'm sure there are people we can get with the requisite background to determine reliable and accurate sources of Canadian content so that we can appropriate regu appropriately regulate how Facebook aggregates the content. I think we can do it. And honestly, I think they would be uh, way better, way better at it than Facebook would. <laughs> Facebook's algorithms have created genocides. Yeah, it's true. No, you're not wrong. But please, Evan and Ezra, preach about government overreach while the corporations are killing us. However, the report does address overreach in a very insightful passage. And here it is. There is the potential for overreach with a new registration model for online media content undertakings. Given the wide variety of those undertakings, it is therefore critically important that the CRTC have the power to exempt certain media content undertakings or classes of media content undertakings from registration and regulation, and that it uses this power in instances where regulation is unnecessary or inappropriate to achieve cultural policy objectives. For example, the CRTC may exempt undertakings that fall below a certain revenue threshold or have a specialized content or format in order to enhance innovation and avoid unnecessary regulatory burdens. It's said right there in the report. You can read it yourself, Evan. Now, this answers some things while creating a bunch of like more questions, like anything. This, is, this isn't some perfect thing that you can carve out here. And here's the reality. The law, any law, is not just what is written. This is something that seems to be very hard for people to grasp for a lot of people. And like, we've had to deal with people like this in our union <laughs> with like, not only our bylaws and the constitution, yeah, yeah, yeah. but labor laws, like people, for whatever reason, the law, they want the law to be this black and white thing. They just can't grasp that it isn't. Yeah. You know, this desire to make it black and white, like it can't work. And you can see why it won't work here. The internet has made broadcasting variety practically infinite. You, you kind of hit on that earlier, which is like, there's so much stuff on the internet that it's hard to categorize and therefore come up with a yeah. law for every single way you can broadcast content on the internet because it's so vast and huge. And you can spend all your time trying to create categories and groups of kinds of distribution methods, but you're still not going to cover every variation. And even if you tried, then the laws would be so complicated and vast that they would be rendered practically and functionally useless. You're like, well, we got to look at subsection 1000B and make sure that like this, you know, it just wouldn't work. 
That is why you have the CRTC, to ensure that, to the best of their abilities, that the goals of the Canadian public, such that we want Canadian content or whatever, mm -hmm. and are voted on by Parliament, so it's mm -hmm. not like the CRTC is just deciding what it wants on its own. Yeah. They then, through their actions, enact discretion and sort of like carve this up by making decisions. And that's just how the law is. There's no, like, how else do you do it? <laughs> well, it's, I think it's for a lot of things in life, right? Like, it's not just when we're talking about broadcasting. It's like how the law works in other situations. Things are not black and white. It gets complicated. There's situations that you can never foresee or understand. Certain contexts yeah. that you kind of have to be a little more lenient with or, you know, bend a little bit for because it wouldn't be right or moral to be so <laughs> harsh on it, right? So the last little bit of the clip is just one big mess. To start, Solomon said the report is recommending that content providers have to register and get a license. Yeah. The report actually spends a lot of time talking about how burdensome licensing is or would be when considering internet content broadcasters. So consider a company that wants to create a new cable distribution network for television. Under the current regulatory framework, they would have to apply for a license and then wait for the CRTC to receive the application and process it before allowing the company to broadcast in Canada. And you can see why that might be ridiculous to ask for companies that start as small internet startups, but also uh, how the sheer number of broadcasters might overwhelm the CRTC if they had to issue license for every mm -hmm. single thing, right? So the report recommends instead a registration system where broadcasters on the internet that fall within the purview of the regulation would need to register with the CRTC. Yeah. I don't know what would be the best model to mm. do this either. Yeah. So <laughs> the report's going to work with what it gets and then it's going to recommend to the government and we'll see how it goes, right? But Solomon, while he's stumbling through this, also asks, how are you going to register websites? And as we've already been through, the report isn't perfectly clear about what should fall within the purview of the regulations, so I wouldn't expect Guibo to have an answer to that question. However, we get worse than that, since Guibo, who is clearly bamboozled by Solomon's incompetence in this moment, and probably doesn't have the entire report uh, or the Broadcasting Act memorized to give a perfect answer to this question, so I do feel kind of sympathetic to his response, but he then goes on to talk about uh, will need licenses. And of course, this feeds into Ezra's very stupid narrative. So now what we're going to get is we're going to get Ezra from now until time immemorial that the Trudeau government is wanting to license all uh, internet content. Mm. So Gibo's heir also led to conservative MP Michelle Rempel, who's possibly going to run for leadership of the Conservative Party. Perhaps. But she complained during question period on the 3rd talking about how the Liberals are going to determine what websites uh, can gain access to Canadian uh, computers. Great. <laughs> Guibo uh, then had to make a statement saying he was wrong about licensing and that there is a lot of confusion surrounding the report. So he came out and made an apology that he flubbed in that interview. But his thing is, Ezra plays the clip of Rempel as a sign of like, look, conservatives are getting it, yet ignores the fact that Guibo came out and was like, Clearly, I, I fucked up. Yeah. And the reason why he would do that is because of course he would. All Ezra wants is that little soundbite of Gibo fucking up. And now he's going to use it every single... We're going to get all the clips that we heard at the beginning of him going China and then place the clip of Trudeau talking about a dictatorship, right? This is a new clip. 
that we're, I guarantee you, we're, we're going to hear, hear over it over and over again yeah. all the time. Oh, great. That's it. <laughs> the, so in fullness of the Imperial One Day show, he ends the, the thing with an interview with uh, David Menzies. And apparently they're going to be suing the York police for hurting <laughs> David Menzies. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is York Region, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know some of the police officers. Yeah, well, they're the ones, if you don't remember, who he was trying to get an interview with Ron McClain. And yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, pushed him to the ground. Yeah. Are you kidding me? What is this? Are you guys kidding me? I'm, I'm, that's for clips that Ezra plays all the time. I'm just going to, every time David Menzies is on the show now, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's actually, <laughs> that's actually a good, good choice. <laughs> Okay, actually, it's not so much good news as much of a promotion. I'm promoting a certain Pro- promoting promote. I'm broadcasting. Advocate. I'm, I'm broadcasting. The yeah. oh, event. get a license. Yeah, I'm gonna have to be licensed. Um, or I might get fined or censored by the media party. Anyways, um, so uh, this is a rally that's coming up against the conservative cuts on February twenty second. The Conservative Party of Ontario is holding a policy convention in Niagara Falls. So if you're, you know, nearby the area or you want to like commute up and carpool with some friends, uh, there is going to be a gigantic rally. So far, 75 people, I think, have already RSVP'd just in London alone. And this event's being promoted in many different cities. So there should be a large turnout and we're going to shut it down. So the exact location is at the Scotiabank Convention Center, 6815 Stanley Avenue, Niagara Falls, Ontario. Uh, I believe it is starting some time, like 10 o'clock. Yes, I'm going to say 10.30. 10.30? Yes, you were correct. 10.30 to 12.30? To 1.30 a.m. Or PM, sorry. Could you imagine? <laughs> We're going all night. <laughs> no. Um, so if you are in the area, please come and rally with us. Because I, I think I'm going. Yeah, I'm for sure. sure. I still have to contact them and tell them I'm hopping on a bus. But yep. Yeah. So uh, be there or be a conservative. What do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy what you have heard so far. I don't know. It got like a. a I love that. that was really good. <laughs> Please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash Imperial News. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. We have an Instagram account, News Imperial. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to Mason Tickle for their transition beats. You can find his work at striadam.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And I, I tell you, Ezra has a lot of grief. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields?